0: Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you are here and taking time out of your day to listen and grow with God. We pray that God will speak to you and you will experience His amazing love through this message. Let's take a listen. Let's give Russell and Vicki a hand. Appreciate them sharing that giving testimony. And I want to thank every single person in our church who, who gives. We have such a generous church and Jennifer and I want you to know that we, we love you, and it's, we're so honored to serve as your pastor. It's, it's such, a, such a blessing to get to serve as the pastors of such a generous, faithful church. Uh, we're excited about the Christmas offering next week. Jennifer and I were actually talking this weekend and praying about what, what is God leading us to give. And so we're, we're not sure yet. Uh, we're still praying about it. I know that you guys are doing the same. Let me, let me ask you a question. What do you want for Christmas. This is a question that our family asks each other. It's kind of a never-ending question. I'll ask each of my kids, you know, what do you want for Christmas? Jennifer will ask me, what what do you want for Christmas? I'll ask my parents, "What, what do you want for Christmas? And I have determined there's three types of Christmas gifts. The first type is the gift that we give people exactly what they want. We ask them what they want. They tell us what they want. We go out and buy what they want, or, or they send us the link. I don't know if you have anybody in your family who does this. Like, like, here's exactly what I want. Here's the size. Here's the color. Here's the link. All you have to do is click on it, buy it. They send it to your house. You wrap it up, and then you give that person exactly what they want, right? The second type of Christmas gift is a surprise Christmas gift. You give someone something. They don't know what it's going to be. And you hope and pray that they like it. If they don't like it, they're probably going to return it, right? The third type of Christmas gift is cold, hard cash, right? You just give people cash. They can go buy what they want, or they can put it in their sock drawer, or they can buy dinner or pay bills or do whatever they want to with it. I love this tradition of gift-giving, and Christmas presents. Uh, One of the things that our family does and sometimes we've done with our staff team and some of our small groups is we have these white elephant gift exchanges. Do y'all know what a white elephant gift exchange is? Some people call it dirty Santa where everybody brings a gift, you throw it in the pile, you draw numbers and then you go in order and you get to pick a gift out of the pile or you can steal somebody else's gift. Now in a white elephant gift exchange, you can learn a lot about a person. And how they act during this gift exchange. And what gift they bring. So some people like to be funny, right, and bring gag gifts. I'm, I try to be that person. I try to be the funny person who's always bringing uh, some, some type of, of gag gift. And my go-to gift is I go to PetSmart and I'll buy a pet. Right? I'll, I'll buy a gerbil, a hamster, a gecko, a snake. And I'll wrap up the gift... And that'll be my gift. And it's usually pretty fun and exciting, you know, for me at least. <laughs> I remember the first time I did this, Jennifer and I were driving to this Christmas party. And I had bought a, uh, a gerbil, which is a hamster with a tail. It looks kind of like a rat. And I put it in this gift bag and taped the top of it, put some holes in the top. And so we're driving to the party, and he's trying to escape the bag. He's like in the back seat, and he's making all this noise. And Jennifer, what is is that noise I keep hearing? I said, oh, that's just my white elephant gift. And she said, well, it sounds like it's like an animal, like it's alive. I'm like, it is. (laughs) (laughs) And we've done this on multiple occasions. Some people like to buy nice gifts. Like Jennifer, when we do the white elephant, she's like, I want to buy a nice gift. I want to bring a nice gift for someone. Some people go over the top with a nice gift. like you might have a $20 limit, but they're the person who spends $200 on the gift and everybody's fighting over that gift. Some people are re-gifters. You got a gift the year before that you didn't really, didn't really like and so you're gonna wrap it up and bring it again the next year and then nobody really wants that gift and if you open that gift, you're stuck with it because nobody's stealing it from you. There are some people who like to buy gifts that they want to take home, and their goal is to take their gift home. And I'm not going to mention any names, but Alan and Allison Smith are notorious for this. Alan's our missions pastor. Every year, they buy what they want, and when it's their turn to open, they go and get the gift that they brought, knowing what the gift is, and then they steal it from each other. Alan will steal it from Allison. Allison will steal it from Alan. Then it's frozen. And they take home the gift that they brought. Some people are ruthless. There could be a child that's so excited about the gift that he got in the gift exchange. And the uncle comes in with no mercy and completely steals the gift. Makes the kid cry. You can tell a lot about a person in these gift exchanges. What do you want for Christmas? Let's put it in spiritual terms. If God would answer any prayer request that you had, if God could give you anything that you want, what would you ask for? Now, I don't believe that God is a Santa Claus God that he just gives good gifts to his people, although he does give good gifts. He's not a genie in a bottle that our wish is his commands. But God is a God who answers prayer. God is a God who performs miracles. God is still in the miracle business. Christmas is the story of a miracle. The immaculate conception and the virgin birth. It's a miracle. What would you want for Christmas? If you could ask God for anything... Another way of asking the question is, what is your number one prayer request? What is the one thing that you pray every day? Every morning when you hit your knees, it's at the the top of the list. When you're driving around town, or you're on your way to work, or you're just working throughout the day, and you're trying to pray without ceasing, you're praying continually, you're keeping this conversation going with God. what What is that one thing that you are hoping for? What is that one thing that you are that you are trusting God for? What are you asking of Him? So we're in the middle of a a three-part series called Forever. And we're looking at one passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and it says this, Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Last Sunday I talked about faith. And I, and I share that faith is a gift. Faith is not something we earn. It's not something we work for. It's not something that we can achieve. Faith is a gift that's given to us from God. In Christmas, we celebrate the gift of faith, the gift of grace, the gift of Jesus, the gift of eternal life. Now, last Sunday, I shared with you guys the story of me catching this 40-pound black drum with my dad. I, I put a picture on the screen and there were a lot of people who were asking me, because I kind of left it hanging, like, did you actually catch the drum? Because people thought I was, I was Photoshopping. I actually caught the drum. And the only reason I'm putting it on the screen today is because I just wanted to put it on the screen today. <laughs> I wanted y'all to see it again. There it is. Can we blow that up? Can we? <laughs> There we go. <laughs> this is a prehistoric fish. Look how big this thing is. The largest fish ever caught in my dad's fishing, fishing vessel, the sea crust. I just thought y'all would want to see it again. And if you're new here today, you have some grandparents have come, I, want, I wanted you guys to see this fish that I caught. Uh, I had a, a, a lady after the first service came and showed me the drum that she caught, and it was like this big. I said, oh, that's a cute little fish. Um, but anyway. So last Sunday, we talked about faith. And that faith is is a gift. And every step of faith that we take, we're making an investment into eternity. Because faith lasts forever. And I shared last week that the measure of our faith is not the size of our step. It's obedience. God's not looking down from heaven saying, well, how big is his step and how big is her step? No, he just wants us to take our next step. And for some of us, it's a big step of faith because we've been walking with God for a long time and others of us, we're brand new and it's just a little teeny baby step. But every step of faith, every step of obedience is an investment into eternity. And last week at the the end of the message, I asked you, what, what is your next step of faith? And I wanna ask you again today, what is your next step of faith? What is it that God is leading you to do? And I wanna encourage you to do it. The application to today's question, or to the, today's message, i want to go ahead and give you. What are you hoping God for? We're going to start at the end and then go back to the beginning. What are you hoping God for? And the reason I'm asking you now is because we put a note card under everyone's seat, okay, at all of our campuses, and I want you to write on the note card, what is it that you're hoping God for? What is your number one prayer request? What are you hoping him for? And at the end of the message, we're going to give you the opportunity to come to the hope chest and to place it in the hope chest. Nothing magical about it, but it is a step of faith. It's an act of faith. It's, it's putting feet to your faith. So what are you hoping God for? It says that three things last forever, and one of those is hope. So what, what is hope I googled a definition, and this is the Google definition, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Some similar words, some synonyms, aspiration, desire, wish, expectation, ambition, aim. So we all all have hopes and dreams in life. Our couples have hopes and dreams. Jennifer and I have hopes and dreams. We have hopes and dreams for our kids. We have, we have hopes and dreams for our grandkids. What took place with parent-child ded- dedication today, which, by the way, there were 44 children dedicated to the Lord today at Grace Zone Church. I mean, that's... It's so amazing. I'm so proud of all of these families who are committing to raise their kids in a Christian home and in the church. But parent-child ded- dedication, it, it were hope it's a step of hope. We're hoping that these kids come to know Christ. We're hoping that these kids live Christ-centered lives. We're hoping that these kids walk with Jesus for a lifetime. See, the Christmas story is a story of hope. So the Old Testament, the Old Testament is all about the Israelites. The Israelites were the people of God, the nation of Israel. So the Israelites... Is the Old Testament's the story of the Israelites and the hope that they had. And throughout the entire Old Testament, they are promised a Messiah. They are promised a Savior. They are promised a Christ. And so in the Old Testament, they're hoping for the Savior to come. They're hoping for the Messiah to come. Now, there's two words in Hebrew. The Old Testament's written in Hebrew. Two words for hope. They are Yakel and Kavah. Yakel and Kaba, and they both mean to wait. It's this feeling of tension or expectation while you wait for something to happen. So an, so an example would be Noah in the flood. You know, Noah built the ark to save his family, and his family goes in and all the animals, and it rains for 40 days and 40 nights. And it says that they yakad. They waited for the waters to, to go down. They were waiting for the waters to go down. To go down. And throughout the Old Testament, this word is used over and over and over again Yakel and Kabah. The book of Psalms is, is a book of prayer, it's a book of worship. And over and over again in the Psalms, it uses these two words. Psalm 130 has both of these words in it. Verse 5 through 7 says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchman wait for the morning, more than the watchman wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. So biblical hope is not just being optimistic. It's not just, well, I'm hoping things go my way. I hope this puts goes into the hole that I'm put. It's not, it's not just being optimistic. It's not, it's not the power of positive thinking. And In fact, biblical hope, we're not putting hope in our circumstances. We're not putting hope into our situation. See, in the Old Testament, they weren't living under very favorable circumstances. They were in slavery. They were in the wilderness. They were in exile. Like Their circumstances didn't look good. Biblical hope, you're not putting your hope in circumstances or situations. You're putting your hope in a person. You're putting your hope in God. You're putting your hope in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Psalm 139 7 says, but now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. See, biblical hope is trusting in the Lord. We're hoping in who he is, his characteristics, Our hope is in his past faithfulness, what he's done in our lives. And our hope is in the promises that he has given to us. And so the Old Testament, the Israelites, their hope was in the Lord and their hope was in the promises, the promises that were to come. And throughout the Old Testament, God promises a savior. He promises a Messiah. In fact, there's over 450 prophecies Of the Messiah that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to read some of the prophecies. We have the Old Testament scripture and then the New Testament fulfillment. These are going to be familiar with you because they're part of the Christmas story. The virgin birth, born in Bethlehem, descendant of Abraham, the miracles, the divinic lineage that he would come from the the line of David, crucified with thieves, suffered to bear our sins, hands and feet pierced, no bones were broken the resurrection. So we have all of these prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus. Now we have the luxury and benefit of living in New Testament times. We're not living in Old Testament times. See, in the Old Testament times, they had all of these promises and all of these prophecies, but they hadn't been fulfilled yet. And so they're waiting and they're hoping and they're waiting and they're hoping so the Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi the prophet Malachi and God's not too happy with his people if you read the book of Malachi he's upset with his people so after the book of Malachi the next book of the Bible we have is the book of Matthew And Matthew follows the the birth of Jesus Christ, the, the coming of the newborn king. There is 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. 400 years of the people of God not hearing from God. Because throughout the Old Testament, God would come and speak to his people. And then he spoke through the prophets. And then for 400 years... God goes silent. I heard a message a few weeks ago from Pastor Louis Giglio from Passion City Church, and he posed this question. He said, God, if you're, are you there, and do you care? God, are you there, and do you care? And this question resonated with me, because there's been some times in my life when I've asked the same question. God, are you there and do you care? Because there's been some times in my life where it feels like God has gone silent. Has God ever gone silent in your life? Where you're praying, you're seeking, you're asking, you're waiting, you're trusting, and you hear nothing and you're wondering. God, are you there and do you care? Because you haven't heard a word from the Lord. You're trusting him to do something big, and nothing seems to be happening. And I want to encourage you today, and this is the title of the message, this is point number one, is to choose hope. Because in the Old Testament, they weren't basing things upon their circumstances and situations. Their hope was in the Lord. And I want to encourage you today to choose hope. Choose to hope in the Lord. Choose to believe. Last Sunday we talked about faith as a gift, freely given to us by God's grace. But belief is a choice. We can choose to believe. We can choose hope. And we can say, God, I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't understand why things are happening the way that they're happening. But God, I'm choosing to believe. I'm choosing hope. So I received some incredible news this week. I shared with you guys a month or so ago about a, a guy by the name of Wayman Prater. And Wayman is a guy who discipled me when I was in college. He was the campus average director at Jacksonville State University. Wayman told me how to have a quiet time, how to pray, how to share my faith, how to disciple other people. And I lost contact with Wayman for like 10 years. Hadn't heard from him in like 10 years. And somehow he stumbled across the Family Goals podcast with, with me and uh, Pollock. And then he came to our website and started listening to my messages. And he, re- he reached out to me and, and, uh, and we reconnected. And Wayman sent me a text this week sharing with me that his 84-year-old father passed away. In fact, the the funeral's today, this afternoon. The memorial service is this afternoon. And we were in discipleship group, and I'm talking 30-something years ago when I was in college. We would take prayer requests at the end of every discipleship group. Just as in our small groups, we take prayer requests. Our discipleship groups, we take prayer requests. And Wayman's number one prayer request was for the salvation of his parents. He didn't grow up in a Christian home. His parents didn't know Jesus. And I can remember discipleship group after discipleship group after discipleship group. Wayman said, I want to trust God for my parents' salvation. Well, Wayman texted a group of us this week who were in that group sharing with us that his father passed away. But one month ago, Wayman's dad put his faith in Jesus Christ. He surrendered his life to Jesus. It was actually Wayman's little brother, Dugan. They got some interesting names in this family, Wayman and Dugan. But Dugan got to share with his dad, shared his testimony, explained the gospel of of Jesus Christ, and his dad committed his life to Christ. And the last time that Wayman talked to his dad, the last breath that Wayman heard from his dad was, I will see you again. Wayman prayed for his dad for 44 years. 44 years. Wayman's 60 now. Prayed for his dad for 44 years. In one month before his dad passed away, he committed his life to Jesus Christ. I don't know what you're hoping for. I don't know how long you've been waiting. But I want to encourage you to choose hope, to keep the faith, to keep believing. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So we're not living in Old Testament times. We know the end of the story. Our hope is not in the Savior who is to come. Our hope is in the Savior who already came. Our hope is in Jesus his life, death, and resurrection. We know the end of the story. <laughs> we, we can go to the back of the book and read the end of the story. See, the Bible gives us hope. The Bible gives us hope. Romans 5, 15, 4 says, the scriptures, the Bible, the word of God, the scriptures give us hope as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Let me share with you a few things the Bible says about hope. Hope in God gives us strength. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Do you need strength today? Put your hope in the Lord. Hope in God provides us with everything we need. 1 Timothy 6:17 says command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Do you need provision? Put your hope in God. Hope in God gives us security. Hebrews 6:19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. You need security in your life? Put your hope in God. Hope in God gives us a future. Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. I'm going to say that again. Hopefully, you guys are awake. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Okay? Our hope is not in the government, our hope is not in a political party. Our hope is not in a political candidate. Our hope is in Jesus. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God, the gift of God, has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world. Listen to this. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope, To the wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. So for thousands and thousands of years, the people in the Old Testament, they were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the Savior. They were waiting for the Christ. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, because God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of the world. He is the hope of the world. He gave His life, it says in the Scriptures, to free us from every kind of sin and make us His people. It's interesting, the text there in Titus says that we live in this evil world. It was an evil world 2,000 years ago, and it's still an evil world today. And I might argue that the world has gotten more evil. I mean, it's scary. Is it not the world we live in? There is no absolute truth. There are no morals. There's sickness and disease. There's school shootings. There's war. There's racism. There's sexual perversion. There is evil all around us. And I'm just going to be vulnerable with you guys. I get overwhelmed with all of this. I get overwhelmed with... Being a parent in this world, it's a scary world that our kids are growing up in. Our kids are growing up in a much different world than we grew up in, a much different world than our parents grew up in. I'm overwhelmed with being a pastor in this world. Do you know that surveys show that the majority of pastors are looking to leave the ministry? Because it's so overwhelming, the challenges of pastoring in this culture. I think about our school teachers and our coaches, so many school teachers, so many coaches, how hard it is in the schools that that we're serving and our kids in these schools. I, I get overwhelmed. But when I'm looking to myself and I'm looking to my own abilities, of course we're going to get overwhelmed. But I want to encourage you today to choose hope. To put our hope in the Lord. To put our trust in the Lord. We're not trusting in ourselves. We're trusting in Jesus. He is the hope of the world. Listen to this verse. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope. where's our hope come from? It comes from the Lord. God is the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace. Do you want joy in your life? Do you want peace in your life? Because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. It says when we trust in God, the source of hope, He fills us with the Holy Spirit, and we can live confidently in hope. Right? Not only are we to keep the faith, but it says that we are to abound in hope. We should be overflowing with hope. Yes, when we look, look at the world, look at the circumstances, look, look at everything, it is overwhelming. But when we look at God and gaze at him and how great and awesome he is. I mean, Christians, we should be the most hopeful people. We should be overflowing with hope. Because we have the source of all hope, God himself Living in us. Jesus Christ is living in us in the form of the Holy Spirit. So when you put your faith in Jesus, when you receive this gift of eternal life, Jesus comes into your life in the form of the Holy Spirit. It says that he breathes the Holy Spirit into Breathes new life into us. And this new life is resurrection life. Meaning that it lasts for. Ever. Jesus said in John 11, 25, and 26, I am the resurrection the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes. Well, let me close with this. God's hope is eternal. It's eternal. Three things last forever, faith, hope, and love. God's hope is eternal. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 3-4 says, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. See, our hope in God is a living hope. Our hope in God is an eternal hope. It's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that death has been defeated, and we have an inheritance in heaven that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This is the good news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the Christmas story. Our hope is eternal, our hope is in Jesus, our hope is in heaven. I want to read this verse again, John eleven, twenty five 25 and 26. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I want to ask you, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? And then when we put our faith in him, the life that comes in us is resurrection life. Our hope is eternal. Our hope lasts forever. See, if you put your hope in Jesus, he's not just the Savior of the world. He's your Savior. If you put your hope in Jesus, he's not just the resurrection and the life. He's your resurrection. He's your life. If you put your trust in Jesus, not only is he the hope of the world, he is your hope. Have you put your hope in Jesus have you trusted in Him for your salvation? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to spend eternity in heaven with God? Like your hope is in heaven. And we long for that day. It doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 84 years old. <laughs> or you could be a child. It's never too late to put your faith in Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you've never done that, let today be the day of your salvation. Let today be the day you put your hope in Jesus. And you can just pray in your heart, God, I surrender my life to you. I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. I receive eternal life. It's a free gift. We don't earn salvation. It's something that's freely given to us. Let's come back to our application question. What are you hoping God for? What's your number one prayer request? Maybe you're hoping for a spouse. Hoping for a wife or hoping for a husband. Maybe you're hoping for some kids. You're hoping to become pregnant. You're hoping God for a child. Maybe it's for the salvation of a loved one. You have a friend or family member who doesn't know Jesus and you would, you, you would love for them to come to know Christ. Maybe you're hoping to buy a house or you're hoping to get out of debt or you're hoping to overcome an addiction. If you're like me, your hope is for your kids. All my top prayer requests are for, my, for each of my kids. Maybe you're hoping for your kids' salvation. Maybe you're Prayer is for our community, that our community will be transformed by the love of Jesus Christ, that our schools will be transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're hoping to be healed. Maybe you have a disease or a sickness or you have cancer. Or a loved one is sick. And you're hoping that they're going to be cancer free. You're, you're hoping for more life for them. I want to encourage you to write it down on your note card. And when the band comes out for our response line, you can come and drop it into into the hope chest. It's taking a step of faith, believing that God is going to answer our prayers. No one here is beyond hope. No situation or circumstance that you're going through is beyond the reach of hope. What are you hoping God for? Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. God, we are not trusting in ourselves. We're not trusting in our own abilities. We're not trusting in our circumstances. We're not putting in the the power of positive thinking or just simply being optimistic. Our hope is in you. Our hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. Our hope is in not what you're going to do, but what you've already done. Our hope is in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, I pray if there's anyone here, anyone watching, anyone listening, who has never put his or her hope in you, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. And God, I pray for every single request that's going, being written down on these note cards. God, together we are believing in faith that you're gonna answer these prayers. If two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it would be done for you by my Father in heaven. God, we're taking a step of faith. We're trusting you to do miracles. We're trusting you to answer prayers. God, we're trusting you to do what only you can do. God, I pray for those who, who are trusting you for a wife, trusting you for a husband, trusting you for a child. I pray for those who need provision in their lives. I pray for those who need healing You are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. God, I pray for reconciliation among relationships and among our families. We pray for restoration. God, we're so grateful that we have this living hope, this eternal hope. God, our hope is in you. Our hope is in heaven. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to go to our website, greystonechurch.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We look forward to connecting with you. We hope you have an amazing day and we'll catch you next week.